Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. We're going to read through the 27th chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read it, you can do that now. You'll want to jump back in at approximately eight minutes. When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that Jesus had been condemned, was full of remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. What is that to us, they said. See to it yourself. So he threw the silver into the temple and departed. Then he went and hanged himself. The chief priests took the silver and said, It's not permitted to put it into the temple treasury since it's blood money. They conferred together and bought the potter's field with it as a burial place for foreigners. Therefore, that field has been called blood field to this day. Then what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him whose price was set by the Israelites, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, You say so. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it, would because, it was because of envy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I have suffered terribly in a dream because of him. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, What should I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all answered, Crucify him. Then he said, Why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. 
All the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's residence and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in a scarlet robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and placed a staff in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him, took the staff, and kept hitting him on the head. After they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. They forced him to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. Then they sat down and were guarding him there. Above his head, they put up the charge against him in writing, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. For he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him taunted him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him were there, watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. When it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph came, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. He approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then Pilate ordered that it be released. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean, fine linen, and placed it in his new tomb, which he had cut into the rock. He left after rolling a great stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there, facing the tomb. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise again. So give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal him, and tell the people, He's been raised from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. You have a guard of soldiers, Pilate told them. Go and make it as secure as you know how. They went and secured the tomb by setting a seal on the stone and placing the guard. 
I don't think I have this in my observations for any of the chapter, but I, as you were reading it, what stood out to me was when they said, let the flood be on our heads and the heads of our children. Yeah. And it made me think of, well, first of all, that, you know, his blood is the what covers us, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I almost wonder... It's almost a good thing. It's like a double meaning or something. I'm, yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm picturing it like, you know, we get into heaven and we're, we're still, like the story is still unfolding. God's still writing a story, right? And he brings that, just as it was said, may the blood of, uh, may his blood be on our heads and our heads of our children. I have this hope, you know, that the, mm-hmm. the Jews really do come to know Jesus. And we get this as one of those prophecies later. Yeah. Where, you know how Matthew's always quoting something from the past that he's, mm-hmm. but you know, we get to hear him say, just as it was said, may his blood be on our heads and the heads of our children and they get covered in his Hmm. in his blood yes just thinking about that wow that's a good thing you would want his blood to be on your heads and Mm -hmm. the heads of your children and again we get to look at that part in acts where three thousand people in jerusalem do come to know the Mm -hmm. lord who were they yeah any of them there yelling crucify him right they were they were yeah absolutely they they were there had to have been some that were there that's specifically right peter's telling killed yeah Yeah. you had them crucified that's awesome Mm -hmm. to think about i thought it was interesting this is way at the end but since we're just talking about stuff that we that popped out to us today yeah so it's interesting to me that the chief priests and the Pharisees, they go to Pilate and they say, hey, we remember that this guy told us he was going to rise that after three days. That's to me too, yes. And so let's make sure that nothing, like that no one tries to fake it. And then when Jesus does come back to life after three days, his it's like his disciples forgot about that part. His disciples don't recognize him at first. <laughs> yes. Like the it's, rest of them right like everyone else was like oh no waiting he's, for the third day right and they were expecting it to be i mean they didn't believe that he was going to actually do it but they were expecting his disciples to make it look like he did it and the disciples, and the disciples when he does do it oh man they don't even good. remember that he said he was going to that's such a good observation so chapter 27 starts out with peter had just denied jesus three times and realized that he had fulfilled the lord's words one of the observations that I made was from that part where Peter was denying him. I just thought it was interesting how everybody recognized Peter. They're like, "You were with him. I know yeah. you. I've seen you. I've yeah. seen you because I've been with. I've been watching this famous mm-hmm. guy, and you were. You've been with him. So, just the the they were well famous known. or right. popular, yeah. but everybody knew their faces. They mm-hmm. recognized them, and he couldn't go anywhere and not know. And where people didn't know that he was following Jesus, which. Mm-hmm. Makes you can draw obvious interpretations and applications mm-hmm. from that. The plot keeps thickening. The suspense now a really driving pace. They tie him up and they lead him to Pilate. And I have in parentheses angels. And it must be that I'm still thinking about those angels that he could have called mm-hmm. at any point. And he's mm-hmm. letting himself be led to his death. Judas is filled with remorse after seeing Jesus condemned. I kind of like that they're letting us see more pictures of Judas. Judas, yeah. uh, that passage. That little section right there when it talks about Judas leaves I have me with a lot of questions. I have sinned by betraying in- yeah. innocent blood. Yeah. Yeah. Was that Did repentance? his remorse take him to repentance? Yeah. 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 And I feel like returning the 30 pieces is, that was repentance. Because repentance is turning. Turning away. Right. Yeah. It's not just being sorrowful for because it says that he was remorseful. Right. But then he turned, he literally, it makes me think of like when I'm truly repentant about something that right, I'm doing. Right. You make it right. Yeah, I toss mm-hmm. away everything that was a part of any of that mm-hmm. sin. Cutting off your right hand, basically, mm-hmm. is what he's doing by throwing those 30 pieces back. And it was funny that they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't, the Pharisees wouldn't let them make it right. Mm-hmm. He was stuck with it. 
So he threw the silver into the temple, and then he went and he hanged himself. That's what it says. Mm -hmm. And I think at the same time that we were doing this, we were talking about, I think in Daniel, we were studying Daniel, and we had recently studied that verse that said that our desire is the grandmother of death. Mm -hmm. Desire gives birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. And that's what it made me think of is you can kind of trace that really easily through Judas. Mm -hmm. Um, His greed turning into sin, and then his sin turning into his own death. Mm-hmm. The priest conferred on what to do with the money because it was blood money. In this chapter, we're just seeing blood mm-hmm. as a theme. The last time I think I mentioned the repetition of the number three, three yep. times, three times, three times. Here we're seeing, we already mentioned that they said, let his blood be on our heads and the heads of our children. And now we're seeing again them not being able to take, not knowing what to do with the money that Judas returns to them because it's blood money. Mm-hmm. So, so that's It's just so interesting that they're... They don't see the connection. Oh, but this is, we're not going to do this. Like, we're going to kill him, and we're going to... Yes. We're going to pay gonna for money. connive and conspire and, like, plot and do all these things to kill this man who... But we can't put But we can't take the money the back. Treasury. I mean... Which is absurd. Talk about your, like, log in your eye. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of, is yes. Jesus' parable about the log. It um, also makes me think how easily we can deceive ourselves into thinking that things yes. are not a big deal. Yes. Yep. Like that right there for them was crossing the line. But all of the other things, like putting Jesus to death and none of that was crossing the line. But that, which is kind of that's our also sinful, them living by the law too. All right, us, right. All, that's where it's like, you guys are such idiots. You know, we look at them and they're like, but if you take no. even just a tiny step back yeah. and look yeah. and outside, look at your own life, yep. you can go, oh, I say that that's okay and that's okay. But this one isn't okay. Right. But the, fi- the line between those two things is pretty blurry. blurry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the prophecies that are fulfilled when the priests use that money to buy mm-hmm. potter's field are listed in Matthew, and they're pretty significant. Yeah, they're pretty specific. Yeah, and it's called blood field. So again, blood money, they buy a blood field. And who's buried in the blood field? Um, it was for foreigners. Foreigners. So again, I'm thinking, I'm seeing this theme, and I'm thinking Gentiles mm-hmm. ended up, being buried in the field that was purchased with the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's just another picture. Foreshadowing mm-hmm. theme, like this perfect author. Mm-hmm. I just, these things make me go, God, you're, he's the perfect author. It's pretty amazing to look at the way that he's writing this story. Mm-hmm. And we're in the thick of it. We're just, again, right in the middle of the climax. So Pilate asked Jesus if he was king of the Jews. Jesus answered, you say so. What does that remind you of? We just talked about it. Yeah, Judah says, it's not me. Right. And Jesus, Jesus said, you're Jesus, the one that said it. it. You've says, said it. Yeah, yeah, you said so. He didn't answer this question for the chief priests and elders. So I was noticing that Pilate asks, and he does give him an answer. Mm-hmm. And Jesus obviously knew their hearts. Mm-hmm. He also obviously knew that Pilate's heart was a little softer to the mm-hmm. truth. And he gives he doesn't bother giving answers to people that aren't interested anymore. Uh, Jesus didn't answer Pilate on any of the charges, only that he was king of the Jews, which I think is interesting because he was innocent on the rest of the charges. Mm-hmm. But on the <laughs> on the one that he was guilty of, he was willing to answer yeah. that question. Uh, during the festival, the governor releases a prisoner. Pilate asked which prisoner, Barabbas or Jesus. It says that Barabbas was a notorious, mm-hmm. so everybody knew. And he was a murderer mm-hmm. for somebody that's not... As familiar, this is super significant because we're exchanging innocent blood for 
the worst kind of crime, mm-hmm. which is murder. And this is this is the gospel mm-hmm. that he his blood covers and purchases every person's sin, the worst of the worst, to the most what we think would be the most righteous or the mm-hmm. best. And that brings me back to thinking when people brought sacrifices, the poorest of the poor could bring manna, where other people would bring sheep, goats, or more expensive or valuable things. He made sure that that his blood covered even the poorest of the poor in spirit, the most evil, the most mm-hmm. dark, the most the most notorious. He gave his life in exchange for him. Mm-hmm. Pilate knew envy was the cause of Jesus's being turned in. Verse 18, for he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. Oh my word. Which is so That's interesting that it's envy. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. The chief priests, they're envious of Jesus because he's got this huge following right and he's like talking them into the ground you know like they are these men that who have they've spent their lives and they are the ones that are they know everything and jesus is putting them in their place so i'm kind of sitting here with a little bit of admiration for Pilate for his discernment here that's pretty discerning for a guy that's outside Mm -hmm. of the jewish community completely to be able to look at what's going on Mm -hmm. and go i see what's happening here Mm -hmm. and i don't want any part of it right Pilate asks, what did he do? The crowd doesn't even respond. They just begin to riot. Pilate washes his hands, and the crowd roars that the blood will be on their heads and the heads of their children. He releases Barnabas. Jesus is flogged and handed over to the cruci- for his crucifixion. And we're still not at the worst of the worst. It still just gets worse for Jesus. I know. I think I have in my interpretations, because of what Pilate said about the envy, I thought, again, we have envy gives over to sin, and then sin gives over to death. And what's interesting is their envy gives over to sin, and their sin gives over to Jesus' death, Mm -hmm. which ultimately saves the world. So for application for me, what I took from that little portion when I was going through it was not having to have an answer for people that aren't truly interested, but to those who can be affected by the truth. To those people, we should respond no matter the consequences. Mm -hmm. So the next section where the pilot soldiers gathered in, it was their entire cohort in Pilate's house. They all gathered. They stripped him naked. They clothed him in a scarlet red robe to mock him. They twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. So his head is bleeding. They placed a staff in his right hand. And they knelt down before him, and they mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews. Jesus is standing there, and he's a man, and it's really hard to see a man as innocent. Mm-hmm. But if you like put something like a lamb, a little lamb mm-hmm. in that picture, mm-hmm. which it changes is, it completely. It changes that picture completely. Mm-hmm. Like There's a little lamb, completely innocent, that all it wants us to do is to love and be loved mm-hmm. by the people that are all surrounding it. And all they're doing is beating him and mocking him and spitting on him. When they were done mocking, they strip him of the robe and put his own clothes back on. And they began to take him to Golgotha. Mm-hmm. Simon is a Cyrenian, so he's a Gentile, and he's forced to carry Jesus' cross. The chief priests and scribes and elders... Start mocking him and say that he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. I mean, that's just ridiculous considering how many times they asked him for a miracle right after he had done a miracle Mm -hmm. and saying that they would believe if he hadn't. And let God rescue him now, they say. Little did they know that he was rescuing them. Criminals crucified with him taunted him. I don't like that version. I like the other gospel. Yeah, this one doesn't say anything about criminal that... 
was saved. believed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. I'm sure there's accuracy to this that they probably were at first. I wonder what made the criminal that believed. I wonder what changed for him and when that changed. But you're right. I like that. I like that version better. So interpretations I have. Um, the Roman soldiers in Pilate's house. What must have been in their hearts to take pleasure in dressing a man like a king and then spitting on him and beating him? And I think about the pure evil and the desire that they must have had to come up against the true authority like they did, not knowing, obviously, that they were actually coming against the king of all creation and the very one that created them. Mm -hmm. What happens when they face him in eternity? Will they recognize his face? Did they recognize him when he walked among them again in Israel for 40 days? Although, thankfully, in Acts, we get to see that those are the people that Peter's talking to. Mm -hmm. Like, you crucified him. You, these people were part of that. Why did they want his clothes? Is it because he was famous? You know how like we'd like yeah, to collect I don't things know. that like... I don't know. But I know that was a prophecy. Mm-hmm. It was prophesied that they would cast, cast lots, lots for his clothes. And so he fulfilled that prophecy. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just something to do. Application. The very worst and most despicable thing that has ever happened in the history of the world ended up being exactly what was needed for the redemption of the world. This is how the great God we trust in works. Every man's heart is evil and despises authority to the point that if we had the opportunity, we would spit in its face and beat it with our own staff. Mm -hmm. At least mine does. Mm -hmm. I can say that for sure. The evil that's in these soldiers is in me, if God's spirit is not allowed to reign. Jesus hung on a cross, innocent, and took on the spite of the entire world, revealing our hearts toward God and his authority. And then the last section. For three hours, from noon until three, darkness fell over the land. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus cried out, one man went to give him a sponge of gall wine. The rest were still mocking to see if Elijah would come to rescue him. Jesus cried out again and gave up his spirit. Ah, yes. My favorite part. At that moment, the curtain of the sanctuary was torn top to bottom. You know, we could probably erase everything that we've talked about up till now and just talk about And just this. talk about that. Yeah, especially since we're really kind of enjoying talking about the history, the Jewish history and how it fits into... That's so significant. Yeah, so I think we kind of have to talk a little bit about the temple because this is a literal, like the curtain literally yeah, yeah. was yep. torn in the temple the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit mm-hmm. and he died. The temple is this huge... With courtyards and mm-hmm. wash basins and levels. levels, you go into the yeah. outer courts, and then you go into the inner courts, mm-hmm. and then you go into the sanctuary, and then you go into in the, the, side, the sanctuary holies, right? is the holy of holies, where the curtain is in the holy of holies, right mm-hmm. in front of the ark of the covenant, right between the sanctuary and the holy of holies, right. Like, if that's what separates the sanctuary from the Holy of Holies. Right, right, yeah. right. The curtain. Is, so yeah. there's, like, everything else is kind of walls. Yeah. But here in the sanctuary, there you still can't see the Holy of right. Holies where God is supposed to dwell mm-hmm. because there's a curtain. Mm-hmm. And a priest couldn't go behind that curtain unless there was a rope tied to his mm-hmm. foot, right? Right, because there had been times, I guess, where they would die in the presence of God if they hadn't already done all of the... Cleaning. Right, and the, the cleansing sacrifice. rituals. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. So you could not go into the presence of God unless you had done a series of rituals mm-hmm. to make sure that you were cleansed of all of your sin. And the priests would go into the Holy mm-hmm. of Holies. No one else. Nobody else. And, one and just the high priest, time. right? Yes. Yeah. And they would go in and they would offer the sacrifice on behalf of the people mm-hmm. behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. Again, I just love the storytelling. It's amazing. So as Jesus is dying, as, when Jesus dies on the cross, 
when that curtain is torn from top to bottom from top to bottom not, not humanly to possible top. right yes the curtain is torn from top to bottom it's like god goes and he rips that curtain open and he says now i am mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm crying i can't talk because before that his presence he was with his people but there's a barrier there, always there was them. always a barrier and they needed they needed their high priest to go and do things on their behalf and when jesus like that's part of the rescuing that jesus did was he made god accessible to everybody yes. because of his blood yeah hebrews jesus talks is, about how jesus is the great high priest he's the sacrifice that, yeah. he was that final sacrifice so nobody ever had to go in there and offer a sacrifice on anybody's behalf right. ever again because the perfect sacrifice it's done had now been made yep forever this makes me want to do hebrews next <laughs> we should I do. love Hebrews. I do love Hebrews too. I think we could probably just say the end, right? <laughs> I know. Really, mic drop. That's really what happens. Well, when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about Jesus being that perfect sacrifice once mm-hmm. and for all. We think that's where it's done. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that this is because this is the climax of the story. He's in that tomb. Mm-hmm. And now the resolution. The resurrection we talk about tomorrow. But I mean, we can't have the resurrection without his death and his blood is what covers us. But his resurrection is what gives us life. Yes. Like there's more, there, there is more that needs to happen after all of this. The resurrection is like the cherry on top kind of, yes. or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because we get stuck here, we tend to m- miss some of these details. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, tombs were opened yes, and the dead were raised. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not. These are details that I have always overlooked. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that dead were coming back to life. And they entered the holy city and appeared to many. How crazy was that? <laughs> <laughs> Even when we think about that whole passage in Acts where Peter's talking to those thousands of people, the climate would have had to change. Like, I don't think that you could be in Jerusalem. I mean, obviously you could be, but people were there that it's not like everyone in Jerusalem believed after this happened. But... I don't think you could be in Jerusalem at that time and not know that something was going on. It's dark in the middle of the day. Everyone knows about the the earthquake. Everyone knows about the veil being torn. And then people are raised to life and appear walking around the city. I mean, (laughs) that would change the climate, right? Like, I think that would make people who had crucified Jesus recognize that they probably were wrong and, and get their hearts ready for what happened later with Peter. When they end up repenting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it says after, um, in verse 54, after it talks about the tombs being opened and them walking through the city, it says that the centurion and those who were with him were watching, keeping watch over Jesus, like basically waiting for him to die and guarding him. And then they see the earthquake and the things that happened and they're terrified and they say, truly this man was the son of God. Yeah. So I'm sure there were people all over the place as they're watching this happen saying, oh boy. whoa. We were way off. Yeah. What did we just do? And yet his sign is still above him that says King of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Application-wise, we just take the curtain. When the curtain was torn, torn. we find that we now have complete and total access mm-hmm. to God through the final sacrifice that has already been made. We are cleansed in the blood. So all of those cleansing rituals and the sacrificial rituals are now done mm-hmm. because of Jesus. And what a gift that is. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. 
We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.